welcome to our second episode. Today you'll be with Becky and Alice. Unfortunately, um, Jacinta could not be with us because her kid is sick. We hope she gets well soon and she'll join us for our next episode. So today's episode, we are going to talk about campus vibes, sex, and STDs. And before we get into our main topic, we thought it would be fun if we discussed types of personalities because according to the research we conducted, our personalities actually determine how we view sex or rather our sex lives. So I'll begin by generally making the comment that according to psychology, there are two types of personality. That is personality type A and a personality type B. Now, for a personality type A, these are very focused individuals. They follow schedules. They like their things in a certain way. This is the kind of person who is really goal-oriented. So they perform very well in class. They perform very well at work. They are technically leaders. They become very powerful leaders. And, uh, okay, for, for example, Putin can be described as a type A individual who's very focused on the end goal. He doesn't care what happens, you know, to get where he needs to be. And, um... Type B personalities, we can generally say anyone who doesn't have those extremes that are experienced by type A, these are people who take things easy, they they, are go- they have goals, yes, but they are more focused on the journey than the destination, so they'll have fun while trying to reach their dreams, and when they don't reach their dreams, they'll probably be happy that they had the experience in the first place. Um, such people don't really follow schedules, they just go with the flow, and then of course, as a, you'll, learn, you'll come to learn that personality is actually a spectrum. So there are those people who are totally on the extreme ends, whereby they are very focused, they follow a schedule, they don't deviate, and there are people who are just spontaneous, they do things, they don't plan, but then most of us are within a spectrum. So we find you have aspects of each personality type. And so today we are going to use the five factor trait model, which has been used by psychologists all over the world to generally classify human beings into different categories based on five characteristics. And uh, to start with, the first one is called openness. And this is a person's capacity to want to experience new things. Now, they like having fun, they like meeting new people, they like new experiences, they like tasting new foods, they like, you know, going new places, they they don't mind, you know, moving to new places because they feel like they're going to experience new things. These are people who, they change their hobbies a lot. So if last year you loved reading books, this year you'll probably like listening to music. They are the people when you ask them, what's your favorite music? They'll not give you a specific genre. They'll tell you, oh, you know, as long as music is good, I'll probably listen to it. And then there are people who are not open to new experiences this is me completely in so many aspects i order the same thing my diet is almost you can predict what i'll eat you can predict where i'll go so and maybe my friends say oh let's go to this place my first question is why we, we over, we've always gone to this place i'm the kind of person who doesn't really like new friends because i feel very content with the friends that i have and i think the experience of getting to learn new people is very tasking for me Ellis, what do you think in terms of openness? Where would you like range yourself? 
I can say I'm very open mm-hmm. because uh, I am curious to try new things. I love new experiences and also the independence. Yeah, um, because you find people with a low score on openness. They they are practical. They follow a certain routine. It's like they are rigid, and I see myself as the opposite. Well, not on the extreme end, almost at the extreme end. <laughs> um, another thing about personality, and even from my own experience, is that while I'm very rigid to finding new places or eating new foods, I'm very open to new ideas. I love reading a lot. I listen to a lot of documentaries because I want to learn so many things. And for me, what stimulates my mind mostly when openness is concerned is like I want to hear more thoughts about people. I'm not the kind of person who believes there's only one you know theoretical explanation for things so i'll probably explore and that goes to show i might be very rigid in other areas but in this particular area i'm very open so the next one is called i can't i can't pronounce this word ellie's help conscientiousness that one so it's a sense of duty and discipline and orderliness now, what this means, such a person is very reliable. There are people who take their jobs very seriously. There are people who take the assignments you give them very seriously. For example, assuming we are planning a party and I assign individual A the role of ensuring everyone gets an invite. Then individual B, I say I need to, they need to ensure we have enough drinks. So individual A, who has high level of concern, that word, Will, who is now taking care of the list will ensure they send the message on time. They'll ensure they follow up to ensure these people receive these messages. But um, person with a lower score on this category will buy drinks here and there and assume as long as there's enough, there's no need to worry about it, right? Um, when it comes to consciousness or this, uh, I can, I think I'm an average, in not average really, because I feel a very sense of duty to people i care about i can't lie to say i'm very passionate maybe about the environment um of course i have a sense of duty whereby i will not 90 percent of the time i'll not throw trash outside but i'll throw it once every now and then but to people i care about to my job to my family to my partner i'm very I'm very disciplined in terms of ensuring I don't do things or rather, I, um, you know, they can depend on me. That's the best thing I can say. In terms of my own personal goal, I can say I'm like 75% focused on my goals because as you'll find on other traits, I have a low score on something called neurotism where you find I battle things like anxiety and that derails perhaps the rate at which I commit to things because maybe I'm scared or I'm not sure or I want all factors to be in line so that I can start something. So Ellis, how would you? Well, I can say in <laughs> In that word, uh, diligence is well. Uh, like I can I score low points because you find me, I am open. I'm open to new ideas. So planning things to the core is not really my thing. Uh, I can do a plan up to a certain point and then I get a new idea to do something different and I take it because I may find it to be an easier way. Also, there's that part where you have to be really careful. Uh, those are people who have extreme scores on the high end. Uh, and for me, you can say, 
I'm not really that. Uh, yeah, I like doing things my own way, and they get jumpy sometimes. So. So the next category is called extraversion, and most people assume extroverts are very, uh, you know, very confident. They talk a lot, and it's true. Extroverts tend to be very confident. They also t- because they are comfortable around people. And they also talk a lot. However, again, it's about a, a, a spectrum, right? So you'll find I'm very articulate. I'm not shy when I'm spoken to. But I also don't go, I don't often strike up conversation, especially in big crowds. But if it's one-on-one, I'll probably talk to you. I, I, I don't feel uncomfortable around people. But I have a very small inner circle whereby you find I have specifically i have four best friends who are females and when we are together we are loud we make a lot of jokes i'm not the reserved type i make jokes i make you know uncomfortable comments because i'm I'm not scared being around them um i'm very emotional intelligent or rather emotionally i'm very intelligent this means that i express myself very well i have the capacity to you know detect emotions very easily i can tell someone is struggling i can tell someone is you know not happy about a situation and i am not scared of, to express my emotions even the negative ones if i'm being sad i'll probably say i'm being sad i'm not going to you know i'm not going to mask what i'm feeling and so People who have low extroversion are the opposite of extroverts. This means they are people who are reserved, they feel drained. You know, you have that friend who doesn't like chilling out. When you call them out, they don't want to go. You know, when they go, they are very quiet, they are very reserved. And even within their own families, you find they need time for themselves. I've lived with an introvert and it's one of the one of the freaks of nature for luck for me i find it to be very peculiar that someone would say i need space i need to recharge and they've only been talking to me but this is typically who introverts are they like to be with themselves they don't like talking a lot it kind of drains them you know how an extrovert will be happy they're partying an introvert will draw the same kind of satisfaction being alone in the house and doing their own things so specifically i think i'm an ambivert whereby i have very strong characteristics of an extrovert but i also love to be alone and to spend time by myself thinking and recharging uh, in addition i'd say that extraversion is one's ability to to stimulate and also for company so wow well, that was good <laughs> And I did too. So I'd say that uh, it's no like it's no final label whether you are an extrovert or an introvert, but it's a whole spectrum. There are some people who, as Becky has said, prefer smaller groups of company. There are others who are stimulated by larger groups. There are other people who prefer just their time to be alone by themselves. So whatever it is that you are. Uh, you are allowed to be who you are and you also you can move through the extremes there are times that you want to be alone you can find an extrovert who wants to spend some time alone uh, or an introvert who wants to spend time with more people okay so the next one we'll find it's called agreeable agreeableness um this refers to the degree to which you are willing to upset others you find that 
there are people who if as long as they're telling you the truth they don't care if you're going to be hurt or not these are people who are not going who defend their opinions very strongly they don't feel insecure that if i say my opinion i'll offend someone and so they hold back so if you're um you're not agreeable it means you don't it's not it's not anything okay it doesn't make you uncomfortable to make others uncomfortable because of your opinion i think i'm definitely not agreeable because i don't feel i don't think there's anyone who has ever made me feel like i need to withhold my opinion especially maybe because of authority or because i think i want them to like me i'm very i'm very open to what i believe in i don't mind being the only one with one opinion when everyone else is having a different opinion i am not scared to voice out my opinions but i am very conscious to not be rude however that doesn't always mean i'm always you know kind i have to admit part of being an extrovert i maybe this kind of you know being aggressive with my ideas comes with sometimes snapping but um yeah that's basically what agreeableness constitutes so for a person who's very agreeable they say yes to everything they don't want to offend someone so if you ask them for example we know the issue of homosexuality and different sexualities has become a very widespread concept and people are taking sides right so i personally have no issue with the sexuality of an individual but that doesn't mean i agree with it based on my religion it's wrong and therefore i think it's wrong however i will not bring someone down but i will also not shy down to say that because i'm a christian and christianity says homosexuality is wrong I'm saying it wrong. So I'm not going to feel weird when I say such comments in a full room of lesbians or in a full in a room full of gays. It's my belief and I'm not making them change to my belief. I'm just voicing out what I say. So I don't feel uncomfortable if maybe everyone else says, "Oh, gayism is good and it's right for me. It's wrong and it's going to remain wrong." It doesn't matter what anyone else tells me as long as I can justify my opinion. I don't feel any kind of weirdness and this is what it means to be less agreeable elis you are i i can say in the past i was toxic agreeable like i used to agree with everything that people say uh like i i avoided hurting other people's feelings i avoided saying no i don't know i was a people pleaser and i can say that it did not work out well for me because there are times that when you did not agree with someone or maybe you want someone to do something different or maybe you are just of different opinions than what is being presented to you and you find at this uh, at this moments i used to miss such opportunities to express myself that's why i say i was toxic agreeable uh the this trait agreeableness uh it relates with how we cooperate with each other as humans and i wanted things to be really perfect on my end i think that's why i used to agree to anything uh and it compromised me my relationship with other people uh also my relationship at work so yeah i'd advise that guys let's find our in between here on this street because this is where we interact with others this is where we work with other people uh, so as much as we are accommodating them in our space we'd also like to occupy our own space yeah 
So the next and final category is called neurotism. It's the tendency to experience and express unpleasant emotions. Now, I think this is a very tricky trait because given my experience or rather how I've grown up, I have I've been anxious for most of my life and I can't say I'm an anxious child, but I have anxiety. So you can find that when it comes to emotions, they really have to do a lot with how the experiences you've been through. However, if we are looking at you know two ends of the spectrum, you find that there are people, no matter what they go through, they are always optimistic. They are very they look at the positive side of things. They've gone through very hard things in life, but they're still happy because you know, yes, I lost my leg, but at least I'm alive and I've seen yet another day. So that is you are low on neurotism but if you're high on neurotism you will lose your finger and be very sad about it because i don't have a finger anymore i'm sad and i'm depressed so mostly you find they find something wrong with every situation so their emotions are generally negative rather than positive so i can i can personally say i think i'm in between whereby i i have anxiety yes and i but i don't tend to be sad i don't think sadness is something i can say i tend to be that's there's a difference between anxiety and being sad anxiety comes when i'm in an uncomfortable situation or just before i do something major and i'm like will i be able to accomplish this we do i have the qualifications to do this or what will happen but i think that's something that every human being experiences whereby you doubt yourself a little bit because generally i'm one girl who believes you know good is always around the corner and if i stick through this storm the other side is going to come i don't have any negative um any negative emotions towards myself i have accountability emotions whereby if i've done something and i believe i should have done better i hold myself accountable of course i'll reprimand myself but i don't go sad saying oh you know i am fat or my body doesn't look as good or of course there are those moments where you feel but generally i'm happy with where i am most of the time so yeah i think quanerotism i score very low but not zero of course there are those negative parts elise where would you place yourself uh, well i try as much as i could to control my emotions uh, for them just to be flat so <laughs> i can't tell where i rank uh, in this one though i do avoid at all cost negative emotions well depends on on the purpose because there are times that negative emotions can serve us better there are times that when you are angry the anger can push you to to do good things or maybe to to push harder towards your goals and uh, and all that there are times when you are sad the sadness becomes a sad relief now what I try to do or what I do is not to wallow in that negative emotion. Uh, it serves its purpose and once done, I get back to, to the base. So yeah, I think that's me in neurotism and I think that's how we all should be. We all should not let our emotions to guide us or lead us to making decisions, especially the negative ones. Uh, and then there are extreme negative emotions like hate like jealousy like yeah such emotions i'd say guys uh you may want to avoid them as much as possible because any emotion that you project towards another person especially these emotions are the ones that we project towards other people 
they only show a lack or a, a limiting belief in ourselves so yeah so guys we are going to the next section where section eh? section section we are going to the next part of our episode and we are going to discuss about how sexuality and personality correlate so in a study conducted by um we got this material from one dr todd grande he's he has a very large youtube platform where he discusses different psychological theories and how they affect our lives and in one of them he he spoke about how our personalities affect how we view sex so generally this he said that you can see three sex in three dimensions that is sexual activities that means the frequency with which one has sex then we have number of partners and we have hypersexuality so we have people who have a lot of sex and typically these are people who have high levels of neurotism who are you know have negative emotions toward themselves and um you know they feel like having sex will prove a point maybe make them feel better about themselves or rather another category of people who have high uh, you know frequent sex is extrovert because these people remember they are very comfortable with talking to strangers meeting new people and that extends even to matter sexuality and even number of partners a person who's very extroverted will probably be out more be willing to you know sexually know more people than an introvert who gets drained with new interactions so they prefer to maintain you know a limited amount of sexual partners because it's actually tasky for them to find new partners um conscious con that word that i cannot low levels of cons- consciousness or something is associated we'll write it in the description <laughs> yes low level of that trait is often associated with um high level of sexual activity so a person who's not very driven who takes things very casually is more likely to have more casual partners than long term partners the next thing we'll have is sexual infidelity according to the research they say that extroverts who tend to meet more people to be sexually infidel to have sexual infidelity in their lives and uh, so basically that's the relation the correlation between your personality type and your sexual activity now this doesn't necessarily mean it's black and white our sexual lives or our sexual experience are in are influenced by so many factors it's how sex was repre- was presented to us it's how our first sexual encounter was and subsequent sexual encounters so you might find someone who begins life with a very positive attitude towards sex and who sees sex as a generally good thing and needed thing so that kind of person is not shy to have multiple sex partners but something happens along the way they have a maybe a violent sexual um you know experience and that changes their psyche when it comes to sex so then again this is just like a basic for you to see why you act the way you act sexually but it it doesn't necessarily mean that it's black and white that if you're hyper 
if you are an extrovert then you're going to have a lot of sex remember an individual is a spectrum of factors you might be an extrovert but you're very conscious about your body so you don't like going out and showing it naked so that means it will limit the number of times you want to have sex or the partners you want because you're not comfortable opening out to people right yeah so if you guys have seen uh, the five traits represent the energy that person brings around with them and as you know sex is an exchange of energy so guys the first step of understanding sex is understanding yourself is understanding your partner uh, with these five personalities that you've just mentioned so the next thing we are going to discuss is um what is sex we all know that you know sex is the physical activity between traditionally a man and a woman whereby there is penetration However, in our modern world, I've realized that the definition of sex, just like sexuality, has become very, very fluid. We have oral sex, we have sex texting, which I think is sex via technology, I don't even know. We have even masturbation as being part of sex, according to science. Again, I'll go back to the point where I say, I have my own religious beliefs, which might not necessarily agree with the scientific definition of sex. However, we are going to be as objective as possible to meet the needs of each and every beneficiary. Now, going forward, we know what is sex. And the next question perhaps you want to ask is when or at what point do people start having sex? And for me, I don't think I can give a, a definitive answer to that because we have people who begin sex after marriage, which is an advice. There are people who have sex very early. There are people whose first in sexual interaction was maybe abuse or molestation, which still counts as sex because you were introduced to this act, albeit it being a negative introduction. You, you've had a sexual interaction, whether or not it was agreeable or disagreeable. Then you have factors like sex texting. So you might have not had physical sex, but you've had, you know, the stimulate. You see, the end goal of sex, or rather how I try to understand sex, is whereby what is the end goal? The end, of, end goal of sex is usually getting some sort of stimulation and pleasure. So if you can reach there, even by word of mouth, without saying, touching, then I think to my books you've had sex, right? But there are people who need physical touch. So... I don't think we can really say when it's the right thing, when it's the right time to have sex. If anything, I can say that sex, um, according to my Christian beliefs, should only happen after marriage. But given that I know the world that I'm living in, I know sex, squeezy hyena age. I feel like by the time a chick is 18, most of us have had one sexual interaction or another. And it's not wrong as long as it's safe. So... Ellis, what what do you have to say about that? Uh, like I as I said before, uh, I think to me sex is an exchange of energy because just the way you can speak with a person, you are exchanging information. Uh, just the way you can like get energy through touch and all. Uh, to me, sex is an exchange of energy, and the end of result would be for the two people engaging the act. Uh, They've shed their energy now. It's like in balance or something. Yeah. Anyway, at what age should someone have sex? Uh, normally, 
we believe that someone should have sex when they are married and then you narrow it down further you find that you have to be an adult to have sex then you narrow it down further hey, and you find teenagers having sex so to me i don't think there's a specific age where someone should start having sex because uh, it's no more than that exchange of energy so and it happens every day in the universe not sex exchange of energy that is so uh, the best time maybe when someone is with the required knowledge and can act appropriately i don't yeah. think that any age is appropriate because think about it are we telling nine-year-olds to have sex no i feel like once at the very least in your adolescence we can understand because your biology is screaming for you to be having sex but before that no children should be children i had no preferred age because to me i think sex is a natural process as it is in its pure state so yeah that's why we should not put an age restriction to a natural process <laughs> i know this is a very controversial thing i've said yeah those are my opinions though so the next thing we're going to talk about is how is has the university culture encouraged or discouraged sex among girls our age or rather girls your age so um i left university not quite long ago and uh, i think the culture i found in uni was more of a lot of casualty when it comes to sex you'd find people having sex just for fun or maybe having sex because your partner was ready to have sex or and or even the fact that i know of someone who had sex simply because you were in second year and she had never had sex so you realize that there's a lot of pressure in campus to have sex or even to identify as a specific you know sexual orientation now i can't say a lot about homosexuality or other types of sexualities because when i was in school it wasn't as rampant as it is now but now that i have you know a, br- a younger brother who's in his second year you find that there's a lot of fluidity when it comes to sex and things like gazing being heterosexual or you know bisexual has really become more of a culture thing than a preference thing whereby you find people think it's cool being lesbian or cool being gay and um so we have a culture in campus which presents sex as something less than what it is in my own opinion i believe that in campus the things i learned about sex in campus do not represent what sex is in its full in its full etern- in entirety and what do i mean you see when you're in campus again it goes back to why are you having sex you're having sex simply because your partner wants to have sex or you're having sex because your peers are already having sex or it's the cool thing to do so it's not you're not having sex for your own self which i believe is the ultimate goal of having sex so as far as i'm concerned or rather the experiences i've had i think campus has a very toxic culture when it comes to sex yes well i think so too in yeah so um so what happens you you of course the next natural question will be what happens in campus or rather why is there so much 
casual sex going on in our campuses and i think or rather i know for a fact that it's simply because you see we are in that age between teenage and adulthood so you're transitioning on one hand you're a kid you're still not fully aware of how your body works there are times you're fully you know aroused simply because some of us joined campus when you are or we are still in our teens i think i joined campus when i was 18 and i was at the height of my adolescence because now it started when i was very very much later in life so by the time of first year it's when like nico ile hypia form too you know so now you come to this culture where we have people from all backgrounds right and funny enough it's people who have <laughs> the most perverted perception of sex that are the loudest so they're the ones who tell who who set the trend for sex in campus so you find things like orgies you find things like you know swinging you know i learned about things like swinging from a scandal that happened in ku and if you're in ku i'm sure if you ask about cassandra street you'll probably know what about what i'm talking about so you learn such things and in a, there are those people who based on their personalities they're going to hear it they're going to hear friends have sex but they're still not going to have sex they'll have sex when they're ready to have sex but you you hear people are having sex or you know being lesbian is the new thing and that's what you do because you want to be in fashion so yeah if you've watched sugar it's um production by mtv which was highlighting the sex culture in universities in kenya it highlighted how much sex has become not only more of a game but also a commodity where you find young girls are selling it in order to access a certain level or a certain type of life so but that doesn't mean there are people who are not there are people who are not there are people that everyone is having bad sex or irresponsible sex but in my own personal experience i believe people in campus have very reckless sex you just have sex with anyone kuna hii concept ya kupimana na macho you know where you look at someone unaangaliana hivi ah we are kwa na std then you know you're there having unprotected sex and this is not a one time case this happens a lot a lot a lot in fact for someone to be oh let's get tested in campus it actually looks weird right uh, just as Begias said uh, in campus i think people take on sex just to look cool uh, or kufuata mabeshte wao or kufuata rende when in actually actuality they don't even realize if that's what they want or that's the persons who they are having sex with are the people who they really want to have sex with so I can say that you really need to be careful with your sexual activities, endeavors, and among other things while in campus because uh, you see that's the point where we are still growing our desire mind, our desire body, and the mind is not yet developed. In fact, the mind starts to develop at the age of 21, and before then, uh, before the age of 21, you see you cannot make sound decisions. You mainly follow your desires can i correct you mm-hmm. it actually says that the brain finishes to much um, to develop at age 25 for females and 30 for men yeah so you are engaging in sex without your brain so <laughs> so um another thing another thing i feel that we should talk about is the hooking up culture in university 
is wherever you find you're hooking up and hooking up means you're just having sex with someone this person is not your boyfriend is not someone you're even friends with you're just having sex because we call them we used to call them on bodies in campus a warm body someone you're just sleeping with not because you love them or because you want anything with them it's because you're you know you have had the urge to have sex and they're available so this looking back i feel like that was very stupid of us because you see sex even for the physical aspect of it it is very dangerous because in ku i know it it's the leading university in kenya with the most with the highest rate of sexually transmitted diseases in the whole country and i mean it says out of 10 six of us probably have one form of, of an sti or another no that, that is a 60% probability that you're going to get down with something like a syphilis like a gonorrhea like a i don't know herpes dude that's very scary and things like um vaginalysis this is a very common sec- um sexual infect you know a, the infection of the vagina of ladies whereby you find you're very itchy your discharge is coming out weirdly and we have many of those and you see we completely assume that it can't happen to me right until it happens to you i'm sure if we and then people don't talk about it there's no way in hell i could have told my friends i have herpes or i'm sure if a friend of mine ever had gonorrhea they'll come and say yo guys i have gonorrhea we will freak out and we probably not talk to them but that doesn't mean these diseases are not there which brings us to our next segment whereby we ask So what are the risks that young women like the ones in our program face when they encourage in casual sex and protected casual sex because let me go back to this I know we are not all the same and we all have our different beliefs systems and some of us are in the learning process whereby you're having sex to learn what you like and what you don't or rather your preferences your type all that it's it's acceptable in this modern world but we want to now ask the question what do we do or what is the risk of having you know the casual ama hooking up kind of sex and this is where stis come in so elise can you tell us what stis are and a few examples uh stis as far as i know are transmitted diseases that are done sexually well i don't know any examples of stis yet Man. Well, I I remember the ones that we've been taught in school, like gonorrhea, herpes, syphilis, and if you listen to these words, you find that these are very big words. They they are really scary words, and I mean, if you try to imagine it, that you are infected in your sexual organs. I mean, they are really private. Imagine your private areas where you should be comfortable. they have been infected so to me sexual transmitted diseases apart from the definition that i've gave i would say that those are some really scary things so um of course there's aids i don't know why people always count aids out it's one of those diseases whereby it's really bad it's really sad because aids doesn't necessarily kill you but it makes you you know vulnerable to every other thing now someone with aids can literally die out of a flu and this is the saddest part about aids but you also have other you know they are not very mainstream like cervical cancer 
unfortunately for us women when we have the the i don't know it's called h something the virus or rather there's a virus which causes cancer the cervical cancer and it can be transmitted sexually unfortunately most of our girls don't know that so you're having sex you don't have herpes you don't have syphilis or you don't even get hiv but your body gets to carry the virus which will in life or rather in your later years cause you to have cervical cancer and this is why it gets very unfair a man can carry the virus without it affecting them and it, they'll be just carriers but once it enters the female body and it gets you know it cultures itself down the line you will end up having cervical cancer and this is sad cervical cancer is killing women not just old women even young women and imagine if you have cervical cancer now and maybe your uterus has to be removed that means you can't be a mom in the future you can't bear your own children and that's really really sad especially if you you did look towards you did look forward to a, towards being a parent now um so which other medical like conditions have you had that can be transferred to through sex right i mean we can talk about spiritual diseases which you get through having those casual diseases but that's a topic for a whole other day yeah, not ready for that, that topic is a whole <laughs> other topic and unfortunately there's no condoms for spiritual diseases and as we will come to discuss in our future episodes but for now we want to focus more on the biological ones now according to the government of Kenya about 15000 youths are infected daily with one type of STI or another in Nairobi only can you imagine ebu do your math like 15000k people asubuhi tu aliampa wako sawa moja but jioni wakilala wako na gonorrhea wako na syphilis or even HIV right so what now what 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 happens we know that Kampo has a lot of unhealthy sexual cultures. We also know some of the implications. And personally, I do not think being pregnant is the worst thing that can happen. I mean, if I was given the op- option of getting pregnant or getting an STI, I think I would happily take my child and bring up my child because a baby is a is a is a blessing and 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 then there's this funny thing you know growing up in kampo me and my friends and this is the honest truth we were more scared of being pregnant than, than actually having hiv and this was stupid you know this was very stupid because tunasemanga it's a, it's something we know people are more scared of being pregnant than actually getting sick instead of the other way around right a child is a living thing it's something that has a future but hiv actually declines your future it's it hinders you it's yeah, it you can survive it but it takes away from you right yeah so um but also there's the psychological aspect of it whereby you're having so many sex partners i mean i i don't know i don't know which kind of a person can have like 50 sex partners and feel okay with themselves i found most of my friends who are very audible or rather loud about having many sexual i find them to have very low self esteem because dude why 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 do you have so many sex partners what it is that you're trying to look for that you can't you know find in a few people and so i also find such people to be very self condescending whereby on one hand they are having 
it's like they're trying to prove a point and this point they are trying to prove is completely misplaced because sex is not a quick fix my dear it gives you more problems than solutions you'll have a few minutes of happiness and high but after that you feel like trash and especially from ah coming from a woman's perspective again i told you i'll be vulnerably vulnerable with you girls i've had sex whereby i felt horrible after i felt like the world's most trashiest human being ever and this wasn't at a, a gun to my head you have to have sex with this person it's just a quick and thought of decision and you feel like trash and it takes years for you to forgive yourself and say you know what i fucked up literally and forgiving is a journey so before you engage in sex even as a woman i can talk from a woman's perspective because i don't know how boys think about sex but from a woman's perspective let me tell you our our marginal rate of return with sex is very tricky you know it's a very balance kuna balance sana you want to have sex with people you love but you're also pressured to have sex with just any tom dick and harry but so my advice what is my my advice is please 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 before you have sex make sure you love this guy they don't have sex because a guy is telling you they want to have sex with you have sex with people because it's it's something you want to do not because you've been forced into it it's okay to be a virgin it's it's literally something that we should be pride, proud of although it's not like a trophy or an achievement it it's, is advised that you people abstain no it is not because it is ab- ab- advised for you to abstain but virginity is not an achievement because if we make it an achievement are we trying to shame the girls who've lost their virginity not really well we when we look at productivity performance you find that someone who has abstained or someone who has refrained from sexual activities in terms of men and women all together nah i disagree they perform highly than i disagree well, virginity is not it I'm, does it has nothing to do with someone's intelligence it has nothing I'm, to do I'm with someone's commitment I'm, i'm just saying abstinence Perfor- it is good real. for health benefits and religious yeah. benefits but it is not a mark of achievement it's just like the way we say marriage is good but it's not an achievement well you should ask the people who the suicide bombers who are promised 70 virgins you should know that it is an achievement honey's virgin being a virgin is a choice not an achievement right so okay. if you're not a virgin you made a choice and it's okay, okay and it doesn't make you any less pure than a virgin there are virgins who are worse than people who are not virgins out here continuing to the next part well uh closing on this chapter i'd say that girls uh like becky has said uh about her case on feeling really bad about herself there are cases of people having anxiety and depression which they never had before just after having sex with a certain partner so let's be really careful with people who we are having sex with uh let's really know their characters and we've learned about the big five personalities we should consider that where person a person lies in that and you should ask yourself whether it's something that you want to bring into yourself into your life into your energy and yeah otherwise so what can be done we've seen that sex is literally a madman's city in campus and we've seen that STIs and you know STDs are, a, are something you have to deal with if you're having sex 
So what can you do? Number one, I always say you have to practice safe sex or no sex at all. If you decide to have no sex, good for you. But if you decide to have sex, also good for you because sex with the right person is good. It's it helps you, you know, re- you are less stressed when you have sex, healthy sex. You lead a healthier life if you have healthy sex. It helps with things like not having heart attacks because it helps with your body exercise. Sex is actually good when it's done right with the right person. So I'm not telling you guys that sex is a negative thing. Absolutely not. Sex is a necessity when it's needed and when it's in the right conditions. In fact, none of us would not be here, will be here if it wasn't for sex. So we need sex. So if you're having sex, and I'm not going to be hypocritical and say, oh, wait for marriage. I'll be lying to you girls. In the society we are living now, we know that sex is a reality that we are dealing with. So if you decided, I as Becky, I'm a university student and I've decided I'll be taking part in sex. So what can you do? Number one, always assume your partner is cheating. I do not care how you think your boyfriend is faithful. I don't believe any boy. And no offense, any wow. boy Can't who has not detected. married cannot be can never be trusted so assume that man is not faithful assume he has two or three backups somewhere where he goes to back up whatever you give and even for boys for the men who listen to this podcast don't trust a girlfriend this is such a temporary thing right until and even marriage marriage is <laughs> temporary to some extent because nothing is permanent but i feel like dating Especially in our modern world, there's lack of commitment na permanency. So you find people are dating. At most, the longest relationship that I've had with Gen Z, it was Gen Z. I think the one year is like 10 years to them. So you can imagine the number of sexual partners they have. So if that's happening, protect yourself. Always use condoms. Now, condoms, I don't know who to tell, told people that, you know, condoms are not good or you don't have pleasure while having sex there are so many types of condoms and in the future we are going to hold an entire segment whereby we are going to talk about contraception we are going to talk about the myths that surround different types of contraceptions but as it stands i condom peke doineza could protect from things like stds pregnancies yes so the first step is assume your partner is not faithful especially for short-term flings and use condoms i don't care how he on heat you are ladies you can carry your own condom stop saying the man did not have a condom i'm sure in every campus i can talk of ku because i was there every week every monday if you go to all our toilets they have male condoms and sometimes female condoms in those toilets pick as many as you want have one on you all the time and i mean all the time have a condom on you so that if that nigga tries to tell you oh sin you can pull up one for yourself and you can see what he'll try to say it's for your own good number two get tested regularly so one thing about our schools is they they hold these testings every now and then every time i think there's always a week whereby we are being encouraged to get tested take advantage of such opportunities and get yourself tested you see i think it's chlamydia or something whereby you can get it through fluid maybe mate sengine jasho i think one of those stds i'm not sure which one but it can be transferred through body fluid including sweat so you might be seated with someone in class for example you're coming one of those you know 
packed hallways and you you know you you rub yourself with someone who has it and you have it so you need to have it tested the toilets for the girls you see that ukitumia chochafu you might get some of this you know vaginalisis thrush some of those can attack you not because you had sex but simply because you've gone to pee so go to get tested as much as possible and when you're tested and no matter the results whether you have hiv chlamydia herpes always seek for treatment maji akimwagika ayanaambia hayafanyi nini hayezoleki but unaweza chukua duster ufinyie kwa bucket uzole ujaribu kidogo si lazima wache yote ikaukie chini if your water has spilled and now you've been diagnosed with one type of an std or another it's not the end of the world i know of a family member who's been sick with hiv for years now they're leading their best lives it's a bit harder than what i experience in life but they are alive they are healthy they are doing great they have a family you know it's just one thing to do different but but ukiacha ikungoje if maybe you learn your hiv and you say you don't want to take arvs because you don't want to you know you don't want to face the fact that you're sick and one year down the line you may feel a full blown you'll go into a full blown you'll die my g you'll die and that would be very very sad and some of us unfortunately have one time sexual intercourse and it changes the course of our lives it could be rape it could be sex with a boyfriend but they were not honest and it changes your life and in the next episode we will definitely discuss how sex changes us so with that i think peace out from becky well, peace out from becky well i'm here to give you one last advice girls and that is to cultivate trust in your relationships uh no matter what becky has said i believe that people can be true to each other So yeah and not harm themselves in other ways are you suggesting they don't use condoms i'm not really i'm just saying that you need to cultivate trust in your relationships in your partners with your friends and all these other people so that at least you'll be safe you know when you trust each other you'll have each other's back anyway yeah. i meant to say do not trust anyone with your body Uh, okay and that means out. use we are out we are out i mean that means use protection in all your sexual interactions until marriage for the love of god please do that peace out so that's it guys from us uh, please share your comments your questions and any other suggestions that you have uh, below concerning the topic today sex campus and STIs and STDs otherwise can't wait to see you in our next episode where we we'll focus we'll be talking about focus and attention in your lives <laughs>